everyone. Hi, hello. It is me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm sitting here in dining room studios with Susie Meister, reality TV star, podcast host, host in general, writer, and a doctor. <laughs> That's true. You're actually, you have a PhD, so you're technically a doctor, right? Yeah. Do you use the doctor title? I should more often. You really should. When it I just was... doesn't hold anything when you have a bleach job, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> what is your natural hair color? Just ugly brown. Like not medium pretty, brown, not dark pretty, brown? Like a mousy, nondescript brown. Interesting. You're sort, you have kind of the similar coloring to Jenna Kim Jones. Who I also, know. But, but I, for some reason, would have thought this was at one point your natural color. It wasn't. I Never, tell ever. people it was because my son is blonde, so mm-hmm. I can pretend <laughs> I'm living a lie, though. It never was. Now, when you first started doing reality TV, you were on Road Rules Australia, yeah, right? In 1998 or something. And you <laughs> Don't were... Don't rub it in. <laughs> you know when Clinton was in office. How was that? <laughs> and you were born again, right? I was. And, ve- and you were like the virginal, pure... Uh, yeah. conservative upbringing innocent yes. Susie with bleach blonde hair then right <laughs> that's true and I'm just wondering if you'd had your natural color do you think that you would have been cast in a different role maybe well I think it might maybe it would be oh you think it made me seem more pure more pure perhaps <laughs> Jesus bleached all the sin away <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe maybe it was all a part of my brand even then at the ripe age of 18 <laughs> <laughs> right so so much to get into well let's just talk about this first the the right now you're doing a podcast called brain candy brain candy yeah um and with sarah rice who is also a uh road rules challenge person yeah real world brooklyn i was just listening to your episode about cults (laughs) you know a lot about cults i do i love cults big time i have uh i I find them totally fascinating not because they're weird because in a way they kind of represent religion in this microcosmic way and your phd is in religious studies yeah. or what's the actual title of what it's religious in? studies religious studies okay yeah. so so you have a, a special intellectual and i imagine personal interest in all of that which we'll get into so you're doing brain candy does that come out once a week yeah and then the meister place which i was a guest on i know is that around still <laughs> no i moved it into the brain candy because okay. I, I was all by myself just interviewing people and i didn't have anyone to banter with like you have your whole group of people to talk to and so people will come back for you but for me they were coming for the guest and then it would change the audience would change each week Mm -hmm. so i just felt like i wasn't connecting with any audience so i forced sarah to come on and (laughs) talk to me every week well you guys have a good rapport she's the best it's very interesting thanks and uh she has a puppy and as (laughs) i was listening i was wanting to know what this puppy looked like so let's take a moment what does the puppy look like well he's a french bulldog i think white and black coloring 
and he pooped in my office yesterday. <laughs> That's all I know. Did you save it? I should have. <laughs> I should have. I used to have a English bulldog, but French bulldogs, I guess, are much smaller. Yeah, they look more like weirdly like Boston Terriers, but more squish faced and squat. I think. Yeah. Are you like a dog aficionado? Is that your thing? Because <laughs> I'm a duck love- aficionado. Um, <laughs> I know more than you would expect about ducks, and I know <laughs> some about dogs, but I don't think. I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I'm an aficionado. Just a lover. Just a lover. And I'm I'm an enthusiast. Do you, um, people that don't like dogs, are you suspicious of them? (laughs) By any chance? For the record, (laughs) I I never said I don't like dogs. (laughs) I just said that people on the show hate cats. Right. But see, I don't think I hate cats. I think I just have said I, I, no dogs better and i'm allergic to cats but i don't think i ever expressed hating cats (laughs) and then everyone on the show who i feel like does not hate cats just prefers dogs i was like you guys come on we don't hate cats right and then my husband was like i hate cats (laughs) they they totally made my my argument for me (laughs) they actually i have to say everyone actually i was trying not to make your argument but plenty of people in the room made your argument Including <laughs> Alan, who was like not that bummed when their family cat got run over, or I don't, I don't know what it was. Anyway, though, um, tragic death. He's fine with it. Yeah. Any right? I. So the question: Am I suspicious of people who don't like dogs? Maybe a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit. People who have to announce like I'm not a dog person, <laughs> or people who just don't like animals in general. I'm mm. a, I'm a little bit suspicious of that. What about you? Well. I love them all. I just don't want to own one because it's such a pain, especially it's a lot of travel. responsibility. Yes. Oh my gosh! And the cleaning. I used to have cats. Don't tell Allison. <laughs> and <laughs> I also had a dog, as I said. And just the cleaning was never ending. I mean, it's worse than a kid in that respect. I have wondered because I'm trying to have a kid. Do not have one now, but. Uh, I've wondered if it's possible that raising a puppy is more stressful than a child. In that respect, it is. Because a kid at least can be contained. A puppy's everywhere. Granted, you can also contain them by putting them in a crate or, or like a pen. Yeah. But still, they can cover a lot of ground faster than a child. <laughs> well, and the thing about you can leave and put them in a crate, the dog. So that in that case, that's it's a worse. Point for, for the a dog. Kid. Yeah. Right. But otherwise, I think the puppy is worse. And they can't tell you at any time. It's not like they learn to talk eventually. (laughs) I do have a question which is going to make people doubt the kind of mother I would be. (laughs) But why can't you just put your baby in a crib and like pop out to run an errand for 15 minutes? Yeah, I saw that. You're not supposed to, though. You know that show like Don Quixote's or what's that guy's name? It's like, what would you do? Oh, what's yes. that? <laughs> what is that guy's name? I mixed Don Quixote with whatever his actual name is. It's something. There's a, the show is called What Would You Do, right? Yeah. And yeah, he puts people in is. situations like uh, hidden camera mm. and sees what they do. And somebody left their baby in their house and went down to like a coffee shop with the monitor. Oh. And it was like, would you report these people? And I right. kept thinking, this is genius thinking. <laughs> they can hear the baby. Yeah. I, I really, I'm not being facetious. I really don't understand. I know you're not supposed to, and I would not do this, but I'm really, I really don't understand why you can't just leave your baby unattended in a crib. And also, can you leave your baby unattended in a crib while you take a shower or do you, 
What this do you is do a about fair that? point. Like, what is the line that we draw? Apparently, right. it's leaving your house, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or your apartment, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because, but you can't see them unless you have a video monitor, right? And you're watching it nonstop, which no one is doing. I think you make a fair point. Thanks. Why I aren't we I don't leaving our be. children <laughs> <in> <laughs> unattended? <laughs> I don't want to be making this point. I'm just wondering. Um, okay. So anyway, go, going back to all this, and you are also a host of fm in the am yeah it's a show it lives on the web and then it's run by federated media which is what the fm stands for mm-hmm. and so it's in 72 uh stations nationwide where they like plug it into their local broadcast but it's just me chatting with bloggers that's all it's just <laughs> me like someone will come in and be like i'm a fashion expert and i'm like tell me about your closet and then that's it i get paid to ask people questions like you do ain't it great <laughs> it's pretty good <laughs> have you learned a lot about closets and whatnot yeah like all these people are experts in whatever they do whether it's cooking or fitness or fashion or diy and i'm just like i don't know any of this so i will absorb all of their right yeah you because know, i'm not an expert in anything except cults apparently you're an expert <laughs> in religion yeah right and also in uh being a reality star that's true. You did five seasons of The Challenge, right? Yeah, and two road rolls. So seven seasons of MTV Insanity. How... Does that make you judge me? No, I think it's really cool. Oh, okay. I think it's really That's neat, nice. actually. Thanks, Alex. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm quite a fan of reality TV, though. In fact... What's your favorite? Ooh, I don't know if I could pick a favorite. Wow. I used to really like Celebrity Rehab with my boyfriend, Dr. Drew. Yes. Um, I liked Real World a lot. I'm trying to remember when I stopped watching it. At a certain point, I just felt like it's, this is not for me anymore. Um, but I want to read a quote, <laughs> a quote from something you wrote, uh, yeah. which is, and I can barely read my writing, the culture of reality TV in general has definitely become trashier. The early seasons of our shows were truly documentary style. Now every aspect of the environment is designed to encourage and incentivize bad behavior. Right. And I feel like that's so astute. And people forget that the early days really were documentary style. I remember yeah. for me, I felt like it changed around season five of Real World where they were all drunk in a jacuzzi the first night. Maybe it wasn't <laughs> season five. It was Las Vegas. Oh, okay. Um, I think Hawaii changed, but it's right around that era. Yeah. Yeah. But I remember I had a friend who was working on a show for VH1 with Tommy Hilfiger's daughter yes. and someone. I think oh, it was called I love Rich that. Girls. Yes. I and love that show. There was a whole plot line where they were driving somewhere, maybe on Long Island, and they got lost. And I forget what they ended up doing. But I was thinking, well, you're in a truck right behind them. Can't you just give them directions? And yeah. he's like, we are not allowed to talk to them. Do they still have, do you know on, on, reality shows now is there still that division between the production and the cast like there famously was with all the early mtv shows well on our shows so the real world and the challenge they they still do keep up the fourth wall and the crew is prohibited from talking to especially in a social way with the cast although you married the sound guy yeah (laughs) but uh, to be fair i he wouldn't respond to my uh, advances until the rap party okay when he was no longer um prohibited from doing so so we did wait and then after that he couldn't get rid of me but <laughs> um the shows now are different like not 
like um, my husband works on Dance Moms and there's all these other newer shows where it's more produced. Right. It's like, what do they call it? Non-scripted reality or alternate programming or something yeah, like that. Yeah, where the, it isn't scripted, but these people know that they're coming in for a scene and that it is supposed to be about a certain topic mm-hmm. and they're supposed to discuss that topic and they're kind of given oftentimes um, points to, hey, make sure you say such and such, but in your own words. Right. So it still sounds authentic. And that's so different because we never, ever were told what to say or anything like that. Did they ever have you redo exchanges? Because I remember someone told me someone was somehow close to the filming of a scene from real world Seattle. I feel like it was the band Save Ferris. It was some band I was interviewing. Weird. And they had been in a scene from Real World Seattle, the season where Stephen famously slapped Irene and threw her teddy bear in the water. And the she had heard around the world. Yeah. What did she have? Lyme disease? Mm hmm. So, anyway. <laughs> and then You're David. A super fan. David, secret. who had two different color eyes, I think that he had an affair with a producer. Yeah, he right? did. Okay. But she got fired. And, you know, there were. Repercussions. Yeah. I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I have it on DVR right but now. Anyway, no, I don't. But I, my sister had this book. I don't know if it was official or unofficial. It was like behind the scenes of real world Seattle. And I used to love Come thumbing on. through. I swear to God, I loved that book. If anyone has that book, good book, right? <laughs> <laughs> and if it's on Amazon, click through my banner, alisonrosen.com. It doesn't cost you anything extra. Um, <laughs> I Oh, yeah. And I remember this band was saying that the the people in the show like had to do a certain exchange more than once. Wow. Is that's that, never happened okay, to me. Okay. Maybe they made it up then. No. I mean, maybe they... Uh, one time, the cameras weren't working when we we reacted to something and they missed it and they said, will you do it again? And we did, but we didn't change anything. It was just... And you believe that the cameras truly weren't working as opposed to when people try to trick you and they're like, oh, oops, we forgot to turn this on. Could you do it again? <laughs> yeah, because they were real upset and they missed their shot. Oh, okay. And they felt like they wouldn't, the episode wouldn't make sense. But that was one time in seven seasons that... Do you we, remember what the exchange was? Yeah, there we... We're pulling up to see who had survived this one-on-one duel on this particular season. And we kept talking. Who's it going to be? I hope it's this girl, Tori. I just want to see Tori. We pull up and it was Tori. And we like busted out of the Winnebago and like (laughs) embraced her so quickly that they weren't able to set up for the next shot. I see. And so it was such a genuine moment. And, you know, having us recreate it wouldn't look the same, but they needed something Mm. to use. Now, if I were on one of these shows, I would just be thinking, I don't want to jump off a really high cliff because what if I die? <laughs> Did that ever go well, through your mind? Because <laughs> so, that's yeah. one. If there's so many things I th- always think about that I, I always think like pe- the people on these shows have to get past so many things. But like one of the main ones that isn't discussed that much, for me at least, would just be the fear of doing all those physical things. So do you have a fear of heights? Yes. I have um. all the fears. <laughs> I have all of them. Um, Well, it's not just a fear of heights. It's a distrust of things that are supposed to prevent you from crashing to your death. So like I wouldn't trust a bungee cord. I wouldn't trust the parachute if I were skydiving. I wouldn't trust any sort of barrier. I guess that's what a fear of heights really is. Well, they don't have – they don't – the casting process 
is designed to avoid people like you with good sense. (laughs) (laughs) It's designed to give people that not only are they uncensored, so they just are who they are all the time, but that really don't take into account genuine fear of safety or, you know. I feel like this culture in general is geared towards people who just are who they are 100% of the time. Like Like what you're describing, I feel like that's this that you hear people in TV talk about like a, a very particular or strong point of view or opinionated or outspoken. I feel like in general, everything's better if you're that kind of person. And I say that as someone who's not really that kind of person. Like, I don't I'm much believe more diplomatic. You. you don't? Okay. Wait. Good. Tell me why it's okay that I'm not that way. <laughs> well, no, I think that you are that way. Be- how can you have a successful podcast if you're not authentic? Oh, I'm authentic. Yeah. Thank you. I'm authentic, but I'm not like... Off the this is this is the pure uncut unadulterated me. <laughs> Deal with it. You know I'm not super opinionated. You know what? Fuck it. I should be able to say whatever I want, and if I hurt someone's feelings, fuck them. <laughs> well, maybe I am. Um, you know, from from being on this side of it so many times, I've noticed on panel shows. I think my show's different, but. On a lot of panel shows, the person that comes in and just says like a bunch of outrageous things, even though they can be annoying to be around, they're also wildly entertaining. Right. And that's not what I am. I'm okay. like, everything I say is fairly measured and <laughs> intentional see. and yeah. deliberate versus the person who's just a loose pushing cannon. buttons. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Okay. So that would be different. But what would make you appealing to a casting person is that you don't, there's nothing phony about you. And (laughs) that is really good to cast because the audience, if you're watching a show and someone is faking something, it is so obvious. Yes. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, audiences are pretty good at at determining that. Or the people who are faking it are really good at faking it. Right. But I've, I mean, these people that I live in this house with, I mean, they're a special breed of human being. What, do you feel like you're one of them? I must be, but I hope (laughs) not. It's so horrible. I mean, I have demonstrated since my original show an evolution, which I think is a good thing about, you know, maturation has Mm -hmm. occurred. There are certain people that it's like the um, Peter Pan thing where, you know, there's people on there that are pushing 40 that are still jumping off those cliffs and everything and don't think it's weird and are fine with bar appearances as their, you know. Source of income. Source of income and identity. Are you talking about Eric Nice? <laughs> Just kidding. I have no idea what he's doing. <laughs> From the grind. There are there are many Eric Nieces. And like <laughs> You know, the current one is Johnny Bananas. He just is on every season and wins. And I, I don't blame him financially. It makes sense. But come on, there has to be more. To life. Yeah, he's my age. He's in his mid-30s. He has nothing else besides the show. So I want to get into your background, where you grew up, what you were like growing up, and why you, how you got into doing the shows, and also your religious sort of evolution but first, I have to read this quote that I enjoyed from the Road Rules Wikipedia entry. Um, this is the like little episode summary. The cast begins to notice Susie breaking away from her conservative upbringing and becoming more rebellious, first by stealing a pa- pair of bowling shoes and later by dyeing her hair. Right? <laughs> Can you believe this? Is that when this? it started happening? I mean, according to the plot of the show, yeah. But 
Can you imagine that wouldn't even make television now that I stole a pair of bowling shoes, which I still have and I love with all my heart because right. they're beautiful. But that is not reality TV now. There was also an entry that uh, I might make, make me a bad person that I found it amusing, but it was <laughs> like after something like Piggy feels more connected to her black roots. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, don't know why the, that cracked me up. This the show that existed when I was on it in 1998 would never even make television now. Right. And so. So you raised in Pittsburgh? I was raised in Pittsburgh. Yeah. And we were from a conservative family. And that back then MTV really did cast characters. And the virgin, the naive virginal Mm -hmm. Christian was a character that they cast a lot. So I happened to fit into that category and it worked out for me. But they no longer do that. Right. It's all like one character of just loud, like you said, and abrasive. I once read that there were certain people that were considered red light, certain people that were yellow light, and certain people that were green light. What? I wish I knew. I was hoping you would you would know what I'm talking about. But the fact that you don't makes me wonder where I read this. About like in, my show or? In oh. casting reality shows. And the goal is to put people of different lights together. So like I think red, green light people are always going to get along with each other. Red light people are always going to fight and yellow light. I'm now pulling this out of my ass. I'm not sure this is what, how, <laughs> what they meant, but it's something like this. And yellow light, like it depends on the situation. Um, and so to create conflict, you want like a lot of different types. Maybe the article is making the point, but now everyone's a red light. That's kind of the point you're making. Like yeah. everyone is this sort of combative yes. jerk. Wow, I have got to find that article or whatever you read because yeah, that's fascinating. it was. I remember where I was when I read it. I was in my apartment in New York, not the final apartment I lived in. So it was. It was some years ago. Do you think that you're a yellow light? Um, I think that I'm a green light. Do you who do you mean on camera in my real life? Because I'm I'm pretty conflict averse. Huh. So I think. I'm probably a green light that could be coaxed into being a yellow light. The more comfortable I feel with someone, then the more, like my husband would not say I'm a green light. What does he think? Um, he would, he and I both are pretty good about talking to each other about things that bother us. Yeah. Because neither of us can pretend that things don't bother us. So we kind of talk about stuff constantly. Um, like, what bothers you the most? Not about him necessarily, but just in life. What gets to you? Um, when there's a discrepancy between the words that someone is saying and the energy that I'm getting off of them. Mm-hmm. And when I'm just like, this is, it's not adding up. This is like, there's, I'm sensing, I'm perceiving a reality that's different than what it appears to be on the surface. Mm. Like, that is a trigger for me and I'm like I have to get to the bottom of this what is going on um yeah what about you do you think it's because of the Jewish thing oh of of, so yeah my history with Judaism came up on your podcast I think it's more than the Jew I think the Jewish thing is a symptom of the greater thing which was growing up what I was told about stuff was often different than what I perceived yeah and I came to just, I think this just happens when you're a kid. I was like, okay, well, I must be perceiving it wrong. And that sort of set me up for a life of not trusting my gut, even though 
looking back, like, no, I was very, I was pretty spot on about everything I was perceiving. I just had adults telling me that it, things are different than as they seem. And I'm like, well, obviously you're telling me the truth. So yeah, I do think that is where it's from. That's so interesting. What about you? What's your trigger? Triggers. What are your triggers? Well, I'm super um, controlling. So I like things done a certain way. Mm -hmm. So um, especially if we're talking about within my household. So like, I would rather just do everything myself than have you do it in a way that I don't like. Right. But then I'll resent you. Because <laughs> you have to do everything? Yeah. And I'll hold it against you. It's really loving and <laughs> special. Do you, as you're doing something that you're resenting someone for doing, are you like sighing and huffing and puffing? <laughs> or how do you manifest the resentment? I mean, I just am passionate about excellence. So <laughs> I, I, feel, I feel like, no, you don't get a doctorate unless you have some sort of situation where you want to be at the, at top. the top. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because there's no rational reason. You don't make a lot of money. People don't really respect you anymore. <laughs> the only reason to do it is to, because you feel like this need to be superior. So then it translates to relationships too. We, on the episode, the cult episode of your podcast, you got, you and Sarah were kind of talking about wanting to be superior in your field. Yeah. I mean, that's, I'm putting different, I'm attaching different words to it, but it was like cult leaders have a certain (laughs) number of these characteristics of a narcissistic personality disorder. And then you guys were saying, which one do you have? Yeah. And you don't go on reality TV if you don't have a touch of that too. You don't have a podcast (laughs) if you don't have a touch of that either though. (laughs) So I totally relate to that too. But it's not all bad. I mean, those things can reap benefits. A lot of successful people have those tendencies, but there's a dark side, which is that. Right. Well, what I always heard was all the, all the, like, all the mental stuff is on a spectrum. So someone with narcissistic personality disorder is, might have the same traits as someone who's normal, but it's just exaggerated. Yeah. Like if we put Trump as like the, (laughs) right. Like the Uber. Yeah. Number 10, I guess you could see shades of that in everybody at moments, but he's just sort of Right. The archetype. Ugh. Um, <laughs> okay, so you grew up in Pittsburgh and uh, born again, a specific denomination. Yeah, we or? were Pentecostal. Assemblies of God is the denomination, but they speak in tongues and... Wow. Do you do the like Jesus antennas? Where you, we probably talked about this on your podcast. No, where you put your hands up while you're praying yeah. to receive or the to, word. Or when you're singing, mm-hmm. all of that. Yeah. Because then Jesus will shine his light on you. Did you speak in tongues? No, my mom does. And I faked it. Mm-hmm. And you can too, if you so <laughs> wish. But yeah, and they've done studies where they show how in different congregations, the length. So speaking in tongues is a use of another spiritual language that isn't an earthly language. Mm -hmm. And so it just sounds like gibberish, but they've done studies where different congregations use different vocal patterns. And so it tends to point to a replication. Like you hear something and then you, I don't think that people are lying that I think they truly have a spiritual experience and then it manifests in that way. But I don't think it's what they think it is. Did that, freak you out at all when you were a kid or what was your reaction to it as a child well I always grew up with it from day one and so it I knew that it was unusual that most people didn't do that but I thought it's because we were special not 
weird. Right. Do you have siblings? Yeah, I'm the youngest of five. Okay. Yeah, and we went to like a a Pentecostal school, and it was very um, insular. Your parents' parents, were they also... No, this was no. my mom. My mom and dad were drunks <laughs> and then she, they got married and then she found Jesus. So she mm. pulled like a bait and switch. And so she got sober and found Jesus. And then my dad was like, what is this <laughs> crap? But then she kind of led the charge in terms of education and, and church going. So your dad was not into it? Mm-mm. He just slept. But <laughs> did he uh, stop drinking? Yeah, he was sober. But he had an accident and made a deal with God that if he would live, that he would quit drinking. Mm-hmm. And he lived, so he quit drinking, but then he never replaced it with anything. So he was kind of like a dry drunk where he right. just, he was probably depressed and he just slept all the time. What and was so, his accident? It was a car accident. So he and another driver hit head on and like the steering Jeez. wheel shaft went through his chest. Oh my God. And so both of them were drunk. The other guy died. No. And my dad lived, and so he was like, okay, I'll never drink again. Which, weirdly, I was just talking about this on Facebook. When I was adult, an adult, he and I were at like a, a party, and he went up to the bar and asked for a coffee, and the bartender was like, do you want Bailey's in it? And he was like, sure. And I'm like, dad, that's alcohol. And he was like, nah, it's just like creamer. And he drank it. <laughs> <laughs> so I watched my dad fall off the wagon, but that it was uneventful. I mean, there was no hilarity that ensued afterwards. Yeah. He just had some Baileys and called it a night. Wow. Well, good good for him. I'm not sure. I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> but in general, he's sober and has been forever. Except for creamer, quote unquote. <laughs> oh, I love creamer. <laughs> But um, he just didn't get involved in like the religious aspect. Mm-hmm. And so we were super, super religious and so conservative. All the, in all the ways that one would expect, meaning to be gay is a sin. Yeah. Premarital sex is a sin. Touching sexuality in general is probably a sin outside of the confines of marriage. Yeah. Um, what other things? I mean, it was always defined by what you didn't do. So you didn't smoke, you didn't drink, you didn't swear. You didn't do any of these things. It wasn't at all about what you did do in terms of charity. Right. Because they see it as um, salvation as a gift that you receive that it, you can't earn. So helping people is nice and everything, but that's not getting you through the pearly gates. So there's not a focus on charity. No. And it, there still isn't. Like if you, with most evangelicals, because Pentecostalism kind of falls under that umbrella of evangelicals. And so that you can be good and giving, but it's not what will get you eternal salvation and salvation is a gift you're given through the um death of jesus and the resurrection so are you ju- if you're pentecostal do you automatically get it or do you have to do something to you get have it? to accept jesus as your personal savior allison okay. would you like which to- is your testimony right <laughs> that's your testimony i um <laughs> i wrote a piece for 17 magazine when i first moved to new york about the popularity of christian bands and so I went to this big um, Christian festival on Loon Mountain in New Hampshire called Inside Out Festival. Okay. Uh, Katy Perry performed there and I interviewed her, but she was Katie Hudson then. No mm-hmm. way. Yep. Uh, was she super hot and stuff? Yes. She was wow. very, she was very, well, she wasn't sexualized like she is now, but she was very pretty and she was very she precocious. Had charisma. Yes. And she confided in me how she had lost her virginity um and she's like she didn't really feel okay a lot 
So many of the teenagers I interviewed, their stories were about losing their virginity and the guilt that they felt after it. This, I remember the way that I wanted to start the story and then 17 was like, this is not right for 17. But I interviewed this teenage boy and after losing his virginity, he was felt so bad that he laid down in the middle of the street because he was trying to, to, to kill himself and then he decided that, well, no, the next thing was he like woke up and he was in the gutter. So I don't know what actually happened. He didn't know what happened, but he decided that that must have meant that God didn't want him yet. Wow. But it was so upsetting to hear this story. So that's how I wanted to start it. But that wasn't the angle they were going for. <laughs> well, but that is not surprising to me because your sexual identity is probably the most emphasized component of, especially for the teen uh, demographic within the community mm-hmm. because so like with their aversion to um, the gay community and also abortions it's much it's much it, for marketing it's so easy because that's something other people have to deal with mostly you're probably not gay and you probably won't have an abortion but you are probably greedy and other things that they're not going to talk about right. because it's more appealing to talk about those people than it is to talk about the ways that you can improve and be a better human being. So, so that's their focus, sex. At what point did you begin to have thoughts about it that were other than like fully in line with, with everything? Well, so when I went on my first show, I was 18 and I was on board. I even said on the show at one point, love the sin or hate the sin with regards to gays. Mm-hmm. And then after that, which they would probably argue that being exposed to MTV was the problem, <laughs> but in reality it wasn't. I was on board for many years. Well, the fact that you want to do MTV shows that yeah. maybe you were a yeah, little bit different. Yeah, that's true. But I, but I even went to my pastor before I went on and was like, how should I do this to be a light to the world? <laughs> I mean, it was very sincere. good. Inten- yeah, yeah. it's very sincere. And uh, but then I decided when I was in college that I was going to major in religious studies because I thought, well, if this is the truth with a capital T, then it should hold up to academic rigor. Scrutiny, right? Yeah. And so once I did that, it was like a house of cards and it just started collapsing. Why? Um, well, first it started with uh, equal rights and, and being a feminist and believing that there shouldn't be any uh, hierarchy mm-hmm. amongst the men and women. And then from the last thing to go was abortion. That was the hardest one for me because it seemed, and that's easy for them because how you can fetishize the fetus and, and it's so innocent and I get it. And so right, that like was, who doesn't want to save a baby? Yeah. And to say, you know, that you're killing this person is um, really hard to then see in a different way Mm -hmm. and to turn it around. And so once that was over, I was like, wait, I don't think I am this thing anymore. I don't think I am an evangelical. They certainly think I'm going to hell. My mom is very sad Mm. and she talks about it a lot. And, um, you know, I try to tell her that following Jesus has nothing to do with these X, Y, and Z that she's been told it has to do with. Because I still really am inspired by the message of Christianity and all, and many religions, obviously. Mm-hmm. Come on, you know, I've been studying this for my whole adult life. I, I wouldn't do it if I didn't believe that there was some something there. Right. Yeah. What was it that made you rethink abortion? 
Do you remember? Well, I just started feeling like, wait a minute. So if we're pro-life, which I think is a totally legitimate point of view if if you're consistent. And then the if the baby is born and then you want to be pro-life once they're born and you're against the death penalty, like if all of those things line up, then that's something that I feel can be defended. But that wasn't the rhetoric within the church. Right. It was just about pregnancy. And then after that, every man for himself and we're not giving you any welfare and, you know, we're not giving you uh, food stamps and your parents are lazy and they shouldn't have had sex to begin with and all that stuff. And if you commit a crime, then you're, you get the death penalty, all that stuff didn't line up. It does upset me the degree to which so much doctrine seems about just punishing people for being sexual. Yeah. And I feel like if the idea regardless of how you feel about pro-life or abortion, but like the idea that you had sex, so now you have to have a child, like as if that's some kind of punishment, like that's not fair to anyone. Yeah. And in to to be honest, the the idea that let's say what their their theology or in many people is if you don't believe X, Y, and Z, then you have to go to hell forever and ever. The punishment just doesn't fit the crime. (laughs) Like you have to believe in all this abstract stuff, very specific things. Mm. And if you don't, then you will be tormented for all of eternity. I I mean, I want to give my ticket back if that's the case, because (laughs) that is not a God I want to be in cahoots with. And so once you start really doing the logic of it, if it doesn't resonate with you, then you have to kind of move on. And that's what I did. And I do find such joy in studying it. And I'm very inspired by the sincerity of many religious people. But when you start unpacking the details of the doctrine, then sometimes it seems like people are misguided. Mm-hmm. Um, but often with good intention. W- so how, where did you hear about road rules? I was a big fan. We didn't have MTV, but I would go to my friend's house and watch it. And there was this guy named Timmy that was on season two of Road Rolls, and he was from Pittsburgh, too. So I wrote him his first fan letter. <laughs> and I put my phone number on it. was like, you should come over and watch the show with me. How old were you? Um, 16. Uh-huh. And he called and just left a message. What? And I was like, well, I have to date him. <laughs> Obviously, like that's the next step. And so I thought, How exciting, well, when, I tur- <laughs> when I turn 18, I'm going to apply. And so when I turned 18, I sent in a tape. So it was all for him? All for him. And then we wow. dated for two years. That Were guy. you engaged, actually? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it all worked he's out. He's the best. I love him still. He's wonderful. And he lives in in LA now, and he's friends with my family. And So you applied for, for Timmy? Just for Timmy. Love that guy. He's the best. But was he on the season? That, he wasn't on the season you were on, was he? No, I was watching his. And so then you just kind of wanted to get in the, yeah, I thought, well, if I get on the show, then he's going to think I'm legitimate. (laughs) (laughs) And then he did and it worked and my plot worked and then he kindly dated me and we were in love and then we broke up because it was long distance. And you were probably pretty young, right? Yeah, I was, yeah, like 20, 19, 20. Um, how did your family and church feel about you doing the show? (laughs) Um, they were okay with it because my identity on the show was so pure. pure, Yeah. I mean, what more could you want from your 18 year old daughter than for her to go on national television saying she's a virgin (laughs) 
and that she loves Jesus with all her heart. They have me on there reading the Bible and there's like choir music, like, <laughs> like or angelic music. Ah, and this like clouds. It's ridiculous when I watch it now. But So you did, okay, so you did Road Rules. Then what happened? Well, then I went to school. That's how I paid for school. But then every few years I would go back and do another one Mm because it just was a way to pay for my education do they on the challenge do they pay you regardless of whether you win you make like 10 grand or less usually Mm -hmm. and now it's a little bit more but that i don't know it's like six or eight weeks but then if you win you get a lot more right yeah not a lot more though not like survivor money (laughs) that would be really nice i mean how much is survivor money you get a million if you win and I don't know how much they get a week. Probably three grand. Right. Yeah. So you went to college, University of Pittsburgh. Is that yeah. where you went for undergrad? Yeah. Uh, and then every few years you would go back and do a season. And at what point were you no longer Susie the Virgin? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like a punch That's a of good a joke. question. I actually don't mean it literally when you lose your virginity, although now I want to know about that. <laughs> I mean, what point were you no longer? I got married really young. I got okay. married when I was 22. So um, then it wasn't discussed in terms of sex, but my character evolved over time to be what I think many people now would think I was more of a villain than a good girl. Why? Well, because be- the shows were then competitive and I was there to win money. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm not there to make friends is the <laughs> cliche that everyone says. I really right. wasn't. I was there to win money. But if you're even a little bit smart, you can manipulate people to stay i've never been voted off i've never gone home i've always been there at the end and i think that's just a reflection of the fact that most people are there it's more emotional Mm -hmm. i was there to stay and win the money so how do you do it how do you manipulate people so that you get to stay well there's always a game you know like there's a voting thing so you can work the system in terms of how you know to not get voted off or um to get an alliance or something like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's so stupid. But when you're in it, there's no distractions. There's no TV. There's no music. There's no wristwatches. I read that you had mentioned that, which is so weird to me. So weird. It's like Vegas. (laughs) It really is. You have no sense of time. You're very disoriented. You can't call home. And so all you can think about is this contrived little bubble that you're in. Mm -hmm. And so then that's all I did. And it worked out great <laughs> because then you just win money. And on the last one that I did, I won money. I won the whole, most of 31 people. And then I met my husband at the rap party and that was it. And I never did anymore. And you don't, you will do them again or you won't? No, you think? I, I, my husband would not be okay with that. <laughs> the house is not good for relationships. Yeah. Cause they just, they take away all your distractions and give you booze. Right. I mean, that's not going to end well. <laughs> and I have a son and you can't call home or anything. So did you enjoy your time on the shows? Because I could imagine like around week three, or, well, I can't imagine doing the shows, but I could also imagine if I did around week three or four or even before that being like, okay, I'm over this. Yeah. I I'm, agree with you. I hated it all. Oh, and, really? Yeah. And I complained the whole time, but there are certain people that love it, that they really enjoy it because it's like a frat house. Mm-hmm. So if you really like to party and stuff, then that's your a dream home. But that's not my scene. 
Did you enjoy the first one you did, Road Rules? Yeah, I did. I loved that one. And maybe it was because I was so young. I'd never traveled before. We were in Australia. Mm -hmm. But there was no voting or anything. It was just so so um, authentic. And like you just get to know these people and have fun and do these amazing things. I feel really lucky that I got to do it. Does having cameras around you all the time get tiring? Not for narcissists like me. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't bother me because there's people operating them that I wanted to get to know. Right. I actually enjoy the crew way more than the cast because those people are hardworking, really interesting, creative people. The people on the show are often one note. Right. You know, just loud. Well, so you your character sort of changed. At what point were you no longer super religious? Um, my early twenties, I started feeling less associated with the show or with the, um, the church, but I would say it took until my late twenties for me to say, you know what, I'm, I I wouldn't classify myself as a believer. Mm -hmm. And that was probably more just because I felt connected to that identity than my actual beliefs. Right. How did you like make that official did you tell your mom or did you tell the church or like what no I didn't I stopped going to church in my mid-20s and then you know my mom and I talk about it every day almost and so it became clear when we would talk about theology that I wasn't connected to it but now that I have a kid I'm really torn because that black and white idea of like good and evil Mm -hmm. is really handy (laughs) <laughs> when, when you have a human being that you're trying to explain why you don't do certain things, right. nuance is really not the friend of a parent. Because <laughs> you want to just be able to say, well, we don't do that. And then you can say, because God says so. Right. I mean, that is really handy. No wonder my mom loved it. Because <laughs> that makes sense yeah. when you're like, oh, well, God says so. I mean, who am I? But when you're a person of like, if you have an open mind and are more fluid in your theology or beliefs or whatever philosophy that's hard to describe to a Mm three-year-old so sometimes i'm tempted to dive back in just (laughs) but i swear i am i'm like maybe we should find a church (laughs) because i don't know it's it's nice to teach your kid a set of um like a moral code right it's interesting now i'm trying to think i don't know how how, because i was raised you know essentially atheist but i always had a very strong how'd you do it moral code I think I was always not wanting to hurt people's feelings hmm. and or to make people sad. And I'm wondering if that was if that was something my parents I mean I think I was always just kind of very tuned into that kind of stuff, but I'm wondering if my if in some of those conversations you're talking about, if it was like, well, why don't we do this? Well, we don't do this because it could make someone sad or that could hurt someone's feelings. Or like, I'm wondering if that was, yeah, they've taught you empathy. That's yeah. so nice. You should get to the bottom of that because that would be a handy trick to learn. <laughs> Cause I really don't have the tools to do it without religiosity. Religion. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So everything for you growing up was like, it's just this is good or bad or mm-hmm. you go to hell. Yeah. That's so easy. Does your husband have any religion? He doesn't. And he's British. And so it's more secular culture. So he doesn't really think about it. And I feel bad for him because, you know, that's what I'd like to talk about 
all the time. <laughs> and I think he's sort of like, what is the big deal? But it's a very American thing to be focused on religion and to be sort of absorbed by with the concept. And it's in politics. It's so important mm-hmm. culturally, but he's confused by the whole notion. Here's like a, a grand sweeping overarching question. But sometimes <laughs> I think... What is the meaning of religion and ideology having such a hold on everyone? Like haven't, this is sounds, this is a very judgmental sounding thing to say, but like, have, haven't we sort of evolved past needing it to that degree? But then I remember talking to someone about this and and that person, actually, I'll just be honest. It was Adam Carolla. (laughs) (laughs) Adam was like, it's because people are afraid of death. Mm-hmm. which I think is like a, is, is a legitimate point. You know, there's so many questions to what it means to be alive. Why are we here? Yeah. That I think that, that the appeal of religion is that it can like soothe some of the, some of those questions, yes. but then it raises so many questions. That's true. But if you were in, if you're an atheist, how, how do you answer those big questions? Do you just say, you throw your hands up and... Well, I think it's it's more like the answers that religion provides feel like they don't fit. Mm. Um, Like it's hollow? It's just like, it's not believable to me. So... For that reason, I can't. Like, I would, I would I love you were to believe. Do like a Shark Tank thing. For that reason, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should have said that. I would. There's so many things I would love to believe, but it just doesn't ring true to me. Like, it doesn't feel true. So I'm okay with not having a lot of the answers. Um, I, I have mentioned this before. There was the one time that I was like, maybe, maybe I don't know what I believe exactly. Um, I started thinking about the fact that consciousness we don't really know what creates it and it's such it's kind of a miracle so who's to say that that would go away when you die right and all of a sudden because I've always my whole life I always believed that that does go away when you die and all of a sudden I was like wait I'm not maybe it's not that way but I think it probably is um but I to me just consciousness is is like the a miracle enough just to get to experience that is enough hmm. i think oftentimes well so you tend to think that after you die it's sort of like before you were born yes okay and i and that by the way that's not a comforting thought like i don't <laughs> love that i just can't bring myself to truly expect anything else hmm. what about you Yeah, I tend to think that that's accurate or that's what I anticipate. But I also really love the stories of um, -of out-of-body experiences and stuff like that. And they've done a lot of research about them. And there are some things that are compelling to me about the the similarities Mm -hmm. that people share. And not not just the ones... The bright light kind of, uh, those would be near-death experiences. But just um, the idea that your consciousness does continue forward. And that a lot of people can explain neurologically, and I I certainly can't. But I like to think that there's something more. 
Do you ever do would, drugs? Because people that do drugs, I don't do drugs, <laughs> but people that do drugs say that they have this, certain drugs have this feeling of oneness. I think I did, I think I did the wrong drugs because I haven't done those. <laughs> um, and I'm curious about I them. Have that. Yeah. Right. That sort of spiritual, like ayahuasca or something, that like spiritual awakening or that feeling of yeah. one. Although I don't people feel like a deep connectedness just on ecstasy. Yeah, they do. Um, yeah. I've, I haven't done those. Oh, me I, yeah, I would like to experience that yeah, too. Yeah, I want to get the scoop on that because they oftentimes, Bill Hicks, the comedian, he had an experience like that where he, I think he maybe did mushrooms mm-hmm. or I don't know, psychedelics. And he came out of it feeling like, holy crap, it was life changing in the same way that people with religion have spiritual experiences sober, where that for them is why they believe. They don't believe because it all adds up. Leg- I mean, I guess logically. that's right. Faith is just faith is is tr- faith transcends logic, probably right. Yeah, and oftentimes, if you ask them, they will talk about it—a feeling within their spirit, in the same way that people on drugs do—that <laughs> of something bigger than them that was comforting and made them feel connected. And that I can see would lead you to be a believer because mm. it's something beyond logic. It's it, it's special. I mean, I believe, well, it's like a whole bunch of semantics. Like I believe in the energy of the universe. And I, so in a way there is like something bigger that I believe in. I just don't think it's sentient. Yeah. If that's the right word. I don't think it's up there being like, and now this is going to happen. Yeah. I just think it's sort of energy. Yeah. And I mean, I, the thing I object to is the certainty I could believe any, almost any tradition. I can be like, yeah, I could see that being true, but I can't say for sure that it's true. Right. And that is the difference between me and somebody that's a full believer is that they can say, I am certain and I am envious that they have that certainty and I used to, and I miss it. Mm -hmm. Life was easier when I was certain. Right. And so I, but I just don't have it now. Are your siblings still religious? Yeah. They're all, well, they would all identify as Christian, like to varying degrees, but they would all say they're believers. Yeah. And that must be nice. Sometimes I think I, I I don't know what's required to identify as Christian, but weirdly, despite my upbringing, I almost, I think that Christian is probably the closest to what I am. Okay. Not the, uh, resurrection and all that stuff, but just the, (laughs) like what you were saying before, the message of Jesus. Like I'm very much, I'm much more a turn the other cheek forgiveness kind of person in terms of like what in my heart it feels like yes that is is such a better way to live than you know punishment yeah well they so you and i would agree but then they would say well you don't make the cut (laughs) (laughs) it's too bad for you because they would argue that that message of kindness and selflessness and um uh just uh equality that that's not enough that right. you have to, <laughs> that you have to believe in the resurre- resurrection, the virgin birth, um, a lot of the, the doctrinal right. points that, for me, are 
The jury's out on that one. Doctrinal is a fun word. <laughs> you like I that one? I want to use that all the time. Let's take some questions over Twitter. But first, I want to talk to you guys about a uh, new sponsor. One of the things I like to do in the new year is not look at my bank account. I don't know how you guys are, Me but too. all the holiday spending. However, part of being a productive, mature, responsible adult, which I'm trying to be, is taking control of your financial future. Betterment is the largest automated investing service, and it's really fascinating learning about the history of the company. Um, I think that they they are technically disruptors, which is a term that I like to throw around and also sometimes make fun of. But they really are because they've changed the industry by making investing easier and at a lower cost. They created smarter technology that automates investing and helps you make better financial decisions, invest for your personal goals, and stay on track for retirement. The technology automates everything from rebalancing and tax-efficient investing to deposits and personalized advice. And the company's CEO and COO are both um, about 12, which is, I'm making that up, but if you go to their website and read their mission <laughs> so statement into that they are so fresh-faced they are so it's crazy they're so young looking they're the future and it's probably all that money get up to six months of automated investing free and more information when you go to betterment.com slash allison that's betterment b-e-t-t-e-r-m-e-n-t.com slash allison betterment investing made better okay let's take some questions over twitter i love that When we ask, they send them in, they're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans. All right. Who sings that? That is Tom Rapp, uh, Trap Dog, who does the music for this show. It's so great. Isn't it? I think so, too. Very catchy. Okay. Uh, TSDCX asks, how did she get so many good guests for the Meisterpiece pod? Was it Meisterpiece or Meisterplace? Meisterpiece. Meister- like Masterpiece. Master- right. That's what I thought. So I don't know why I said Meisterplace okay. earlier. That is ridiculous. I wish it was called the Meisterplace. No, Meisterpiece. I like that. Okay. How did she get so many good guests for the Meisterpiece podcast? So I did a TEDx talk at one point a few years ago where I talked about this because I wanted to tell people that because I think a lot of times when they see stuff or hear stuff that they like, they don't know that they could do it themselves. So I was trying to say, like, they can think inside the box. Like, you have a computer, (laughs) you have a phone, you have Twitter, you can do a podcast or whatever. Because that's what I did. I was at home and I was a new mom and I hated being a new mom and being stuck at home with this brat. (laughs) (laughs) He was a horrible baby and I needed a creative outlet. And so I just started harassing famous people on Twitter. And they said yes. Like, truly, that is as simple as it is. Who was your biggest get from harassing <sighs> um, on Twitter? Cause Alex I'm- Borstein was a good one from uh, Family Guy. Oh, yeah. Um, but the Dixie Chicks were, were big. And this I, it was all people that I love. So it wouldn't necessarily be Jen Aniston. It's people that I obsess. I am obsessed with the Beach Boys. When I got the lead singer, I thought I was going to die. You know, just stuff like that. Yeah, and that was just from Twitter? Uh, that one, I th- maybe Facebook, but social media. Right. Yeah. Wow. And I just harass people. I mean, it helped to have a doctorate maybe or be on right. TV. But still, I just reached out and said, I have this show. Will you be on it? And they said, sure. That is awesome. Did you sing you. with the Beach Boys? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, twice now. And it's been the best experience of my whole life how is how does this happen well i just run up on stage <laughs> i mean that is a true story and 
I went to their concert and I was, you know, it's older folks. It's not like freaking, you know, who's like the young Katy Perry. It's not <laughs> like that. So I, when they do their encore, I just run up and they pull, pulled me up and it was awesome. <laughs> I mean, come on. I, my only dream is that John Stamos will be there next time. He's my dream. Is he? Does he follow you on Twitter? I wish. Sorry, you're gonna <laughs> it's okay. To, I can't, I would die. Does he follow you? No, no, no. But he <gasps> followed Sarah Colonna. What? And then he unfollowed her. And she taught. We talked about that on the show. And then now he follows her again. Mm-hmm. Maybe he listens. Oh my god! I oh I I John, wish. John, did you watch? <laughs> did you watch the um, whatever it was called, the un. Un words no. not coming to my brain. No, authorized. Yes, unauthorized no. full house. It was really good. <laughs> it was pretty good. <laughs> I was say it was really bad. I mean, it was bad, but it was good. I was very entertained by what it. What did you learn about oh, John in particular? If was he, he was a ladies' man, right? Yes, he was like this very, according to this, this just earnest guy with a good work ethic Ugh. who was a little bit like bummed out by the antics of the other guys. Oh, isn't that sweet? He's a dream girl. <laughs> Are you kidding me? And he plays with the Beach Boys. And also I learned oh that uh, Candace Cameron did not do well on her first audition, but then she got to audition again and she <laughs> nailed it the second time. Nailed it. All right. Say a question from the same guy. Okay. Did anyone think Susie Meister was a nickname? Yeah. I and know. And that never really occurred to me, but I guess sort of like, oh, the Susie Meister. Yeah. Some... <laughs> I. My email is Susie Meister at whatever. Right. And people have said to me like, funny email. And I worried about putting it on like a resume. Right. what if they think it's one of those like... Silly. 69, Susie, whatever. <laughs> you know, it's not. It's a sad, sad situation. <laughs> it's your name. It's my real sad name. Jordan Thomas says, and this was back from back in December uh, when... You are initially scheduled to be on. Yeah. Hey, Suze, will my girlfriend like a practical gift or romantic gift for Christmas? Oh. It might be a little late, but what would you have said? I mean, one year I got a vacuum and I was psyched. I go practical. Romantic? Come on, what? Like bubble bath? Right. Or like jewelry or something. Oh, jewelry's nice. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think of that. I was thinking like flowers and cheap stuff. Jewelry's nice. Mm-hmm. Would you rather have a vacuum or jewelry? Or like, you know, something expensive, right. but still practical. Or fridge or... A fridge. <laughs> An appliance. Allison, a vacuum is the thing that you use for cleaning carpet. <laughs> we have one. I've seen it used. <laughs> You're not into domestic life? Not. I'm just not good at it. Um, I would rather have... You know, I don't know. I could really go back and forth on that one. Uh... But I don't have a strong preference. I like a nice, yeah. useful gift. I'm not like I'm not the kind of person who's like I can't believe you only got me this. Yeah. Or I, I, it's just not that important to me. Yeah. Either way, if it's thoughtful, I'm fine with yes. it. Yes. So yeah. go with. I mean, if you're gonna air, you should probably air romantic, right? right? Yeah. yeah. Especially if it's just excuse me, just his girlfriend. Because I feel like once you're married, then that's <laughs> so when it's true. like. I'm going to get the new iPhone. Want to give that to me or whatever, you know, we then need you more start details about their relationship. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Jose Maldonado says, do you have a good idea for an I'm sorry gesture when driving? 
hands on that face, is a hilarious bang forehead. Question. Honest question. It's it is. I don't know what it is. I always do just the hand up, like sorry and thank you. Do you say it too? Because I say it all the time. I'm like oh sorry. I kind of yeah, like wince. I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> sorry i can't drive yeah Thank let's you. go with that yeah what other options up. are there like a white flag <laughs> right. surrender i think the hand up is kind of the only one there is yeah have you ever put your hand up on behalf of your spouse <laughs> all the time uh-huh. and i've honked on his behalf <laughs> <Yeah>. too <laughs> like i'll reach over and he'll get so mad at me because he's like they could have a gun oh he's that he guy yeah he doesn't want me honking right get out of the way people coming through uh, and a Kimmy thing says, you can already answer this one. Will Susie ever do another challenge? You, you already answered that one. Well, Hey, I can be convinced though. With money? With money. <laughs> or like if they said it's going to be in a certain place and you can call home this amount and stuff like that. But do they, they don't still, do that. Do they still contact you a lot trying to get you to do yeah, it? Yeah. Every time, every time. And like... My friend Sarah, who does my podcast with me, I mean, she's my best friend. It would be so fun to do with her, but I would be not allowed to contact my family. Right. That's a long six weeks. It's longer than it feels like when you're in a bubble. So I don't now, think. An important question. They don't do your makeup, do they? <laughs> no way. So did you feel like you had to always be camera ready? No, which is why it was not. <laughs> I looked like crap for, I feel like I have 10 years of bad hair documented on <laughs> national television. Because what can you do? And a lot of times you don't have like the outlets for your um, hair dryer, stuff like that. You don't have. It's okay. just, you're just winging it. Okay. What is happening? Never, I'm sorry. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm yawning. Why this used is... to happen to me a lot. You're kidding me. Um, yeah. <laughs> it used to happen to me a lot. In fact, listeners would write in and bitch at me about it. You're um, kidding. Yeah. Like, you can't even stay awake long enough to do your own podcast. <laughs> you need to do more of those because that is hilarious. Every time you pipe in with those sound effects, it makes me... <laughs> 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 what did I really originally say to he about? I th- wasn't it like <laughs> putting a splash of lemonade in my Diet Coke? <laughs> I, I don't remember, but it was it was something a little raunchy. It was? Yeah. Okay. Huh. Well, I li- think. listeners who recall That's what, what the imagine. original he was, let me know. Anyway, regarding the yawning, I don't know. It might be because it's warm in here. I'm going to go oh with my that. God. Ashley Bloodsworth says, whenever done with Safari... Oh, did I announce that we're doing... Did we already play the Just Me or Everyone song? Am I in this room? What's going on? No, you didn't play Did it. I even say we're going to do we Just, just Me or Everyone? We just did the Twitter song. Okay. Let's do Just Me or Everyone. <laughs> Sometimes I ponder on something I've done. Is it just me or everyone? It's like I just had an out-of-body experience. <gasps> mm-hmm. Wow. Ashley Bloodsworth says, Whenever done with Safari on my phone, I always leave a Google window open for myself to make my next search easier. It's hmm. smart. I don't do that. Yeah, that's just good sense. Yeah. I wish I did that. I'm going to start, Ashley. I don't do a lot of getting things ready for the <laughs> next time I'm going to need them in my life. Do you? Like I would say I'm more of a planner, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that takes that's something I never thought of, and I'll do it. Like, is your desk space really neat? My whole life is neat. Really? Mm-hmm. Have you always been that way? Do you have a messy car? No. I actually don't have a mess. Well, I don't have... <laughs> I used to have... the. Car, I used to have a car that was like 
this just wasteland of shit in the backseat. I was one of those. The kind uh. of people that if I were ever to get into my car, I'd be like, I want to get out of this thing as fast as possible. <laughs> just CDs and a bunch of college stuff. And no, now I have... There's uh, Wendy's crate is in the back seat. I just leave that in the back seat. And there's like a few pieces of paper, um, but it's it's other than that. It's pretty clean. But how do you stay so organized? Because I think that you're such an organized person. Where, what? Where do you get that? <laughs> like the planning of this, and like I thought, oh my gosh, she does two shows a week. And there's many people involved, mm-hmm. and I mean, I don't know how you do that. Well, thank you very much. Um, it's my job, so. I I don't know. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm fairly good at being organized with this, but like in terms of things that I need to print out for the podcast, I'm always doing that minutes before. Mm. Um and there's all sorts of piles of shit in the office. And I'm just like you tweeted about that book, the magical what is it? The, the <laughs> Yeah, the magical Life Changing Magic of Tidying Up. Yeah. Which I read and I was like, Yes. I want to do this, but I just haven't yet. I haven't even finished the book. Oh, my gosh. Did you do it? No, because I don't need to. I oh, don't. because you're already that organized. Like, I'm a purger. That's it, my problem. I'm not. <sighs> I'm a hoarder <laughs> of, on the but spectrum. what is driving it? Um, not wanting to... Uh, a couple things. Yeah. Not wanting to be without something that it's I want. It's the what if. Yes. Okay. Because the few times in my life... Like, I remember going on an overnight trip with my mom and my sister to San Diego when I was in high school. And I wanted, I decided, because I never know what I'm going to want to wear ahead of time. So I just bring a bunch of options and then I wear the same thing. But I decided (laughs) on the way there, like, oh, I'm going to wear my purple silk blouse with my giant hoop earrings and my leggings and my slouchy socks. And I got there (laughs) and I could not find the shirt and I hadn't brought the shirt. And I remember I was, I mean, and P.S., Apparently I'm a person who says PS now. Who cares? But it was so upsetting to me that I was like, this is what it feels like when you don't bring the extra whatever. And then just recently I was writing. um, So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm trying to write a book and I'm working on one of the chapters and it's memoirs essentially. And about a year ago, I, I was looking through old boxes and I found all these emails um, that I printed out from this pretty shitty relationship that I was in and I was reading them and I'm like, I cannot believe I kept these. And now I'm writing about it and I was, and I'm like, it would be so much easier if I had those emails. But I think I'm, I think in a rare moment I purged them because I think oh, I was no. like, I don't want this bad energy in the house anymore You're whatever. Kidding me. But it's also possible I didn't purge them and they're somewhere and I just can't find them. Like where? Where do you keep everything? Because your house is very tidy. Oh, it's so not. So oh. pure beyond that screen there, <laughs> listeners, I know this is coming alive. Um, that is this like little alcove room we have and Daniel does a lot of crafts and stuff in there. So on the right side of it, there's like all his little tools and, and stuff. And on the left side, there's just a bunch of boxes. And those are boxes filled with crap. And then our garage has boxes filled with crap, too. <laughs> you look you look physically disturbed. <laughs> I'm having a panic attack. You look, you look nauseated. You don't have any boxes of stuff? No. Mm-mm. When I was moving back to California from New York, I was like, now's the time to get rid of everything that yeah. I don't need. And yeah. I got rid of so many things that I wish I still had. And like then what? Candles? What? Like, I can't even no, think like, of I what it the would candles. be. Honestly, it's ridiculous. 
this is it's embarrassing i want to know admit. i want to know these silicone trivets for my kitchen <laughs> and a lot of stuff for the kitchen and a lot of hair products now i don't know why i was like there's no way these hair products can make the move because they could have full right. uh, full bottles of uh sebastian shaper and then all the kitchen stuff it's like like i had a baking rack to cool cakes on not that that i've ever i mean i used it once but i was like oh i don't need this but really the the trivets which in case you're wondering what a trivet is it's like a little thing that you put a hot pan on or you use to pull something hot out of the oven like a hand protector um not an oven mitt though but i don't i just don't know why i got rid of them because like one day i was going to have my own kitchen again hmm but who really cares? I mean, you no, can just I replace. Do. Okay, you do. Oh, I, I didn't know what you meant. I was going to say, like, you can just. No, I mean, <laughs> I mean, why do I care? Because I can replace all that That's for less I'm than $100. And to cart it across the United States I of know. America. Well, so the thing is, I got rid of all this stuff. Stuff. If you're wondering what are the things that I've thought, oh, I wish I still had that. Curtain rods, curtains, a pretty good hairdryer, which was a hairdryer that I didn't really want. I gave it to my friend Corinne. But when my numero uno hairdryer broke, I was you like, do, oh, I wish yeah. I had the Wego hairdryer now. Um, yeah, there's plenty. So I got rid of so much stuff. But then at the end, I was like, I'm so tired. The movers are coming soon. I need to just pour all this shit into boxes. So I got rid of stuff I wanted and I have boxes full of crap. Yeah. And like, I still haven't gone through them. I... I am really jealous of people like you who can live so successfully in filth. <laughs> filth, no. In squalor. No, like what in I dis- in disarray. What, <laughs> what I perceive as as chaos. Like, it is yes. No, your house isn't, but I feel like your mind must be if you have all these things in boxes. Wondering, what do I do with all this stuff? Don't you feel like I wouldn't sleep? Well, that is what the Marie Kondo, super anal retentive Japanese woman who wrote The Life Changing yeah. Magic of Time, that's kind of like what she's saying. It's like you will free up so much energy and so much but- mental space, which I think is true because when the house feels tidy and like when I just clear off a spot on my desk, I feel like I breathe. <laughs> <laughs> God. It's usually the spot right in front of the screen. <laughs> that's me looking for my purse. <laughs> I feel like I breathe so much easier. Like I feel so much okay. better. But it's not enough to make me Well, so the other reason aside from not wanting to be without something is I do not like making a bunch of decisions. And so when I come across something I'm like, do I keep it? Do I throw it out? What do I do with it? And that's I don't do the Marie Kondo thing of touching it and saying, "Does it spark joy?" I didn't know that that's That's what her. she says. Yeah, she says, "Grab everything, like all your books." And touch each one of them. And if it sparks joy, keep it. If it doesn't get rid of it. Is that the only criterion? Like joy? Uh, I think so. Because some things you just need. I'm trying to remember if it was like sparks joy or you're still using it. Okay. I can't remember. <laughs> I, but I don't, I think that sounds way more prosaic. I think it was just as it sparked joy. That's what everyone uses. Yeah. As, like, that's what they remember. Description of the book about Jeff, the joy. You're super organized too, right? Oh, good. I have my moments. I try. I love throwing things away. Yeah. Yeah. I, I cannot get rid of stuff fast enough. Yeah, man. I did a lot of purging over Christmas. What did you get rid of? Oh, what didn't I get rid of? Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. I, I love, I live in a place that has a dumpster. Ugh. And that's just fantastic because you can throw out anything yes, of any size. That's it's another awesome. problem is getting rid of stuff is actually more difficult than it should be. It's a lot of work. I yeah. sell stuff on eBay. That's my thing. Really? Mm-hmm. Brady Six, if you want to bid. 
<laughs> I have that like constant would be stuff my thing, going on. Except don't you have to go to the post office all the time? Well, they have this thing now where you print out the label from your home, your printer, and the mailman just takes it. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, because the post office is annoying. Yeah. but it And it gives you a discount on postage. Hmm. Yeah. In general, I don't like dealing with a lot of like stuff and paper like hell to me growing up was doing any sort of application where you want to take a break in the middle and like there's just application papers all over the table like I remember that from applying to college or getting ready for SATs or any of that stuff I just don't like paper and I don't like stuff and I think that's why I have so much of it because I don't want to deal with it yeah but I feel like if you're willing to put if you do a little bit every day like it's not like one day I'm like that's it I'm getting rid of everything I do it every day and I just think, oh, I don't need this anymore or whatever. Do get you get rid of cards that people have sent you? Always. What about this? Really? Mm-hmm. So the sentimental stuff. Well, my husband's I keep, but I mean, no, I keep, I throw it away. Like Jeff. everything except my husband. Yeah, I throw them away. Yeah. Because you, know you can't what? keep it. That's right. You just, you, you can. can. <laughs> well, no you can. To yeah. it. You can. <laughs> you can keep with you the sentiment. Right. Well, that, Yeah. And, um, and you get a momentum going when you start throwing things out. Isn't it great? Yeah, you get you clean off a little spot and you walk into a room and you see a table that had a bunch of junk on it and it's empty and it makes you feel so good and you go, I want more of that and you just throw stuff out. I do love, love the feeling of horizontal surfaces that are clear of anything. Mm-hmm. It, like That actually makes me feel really good even though there are none of them in this house. Um, all right, what about, what's like your 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 bathroom like because i i'm just overflowing with makeup that i don't ever use anymore where do you put it it's, it's under the sink and it's in cabinets and it's stuffed into old makeup bags and stuff oh my gosh i mean i would have anxiety i wouldn't i would literally not sleep at night so everything is just like, i don't sleep well maybe this is why yeah well but are you thinking about it no it's deeper than that it's in my <laughs> <No>. soul <laughs> maybe you have emotional clutter too i do but that's what my theory is, is I do. that people with clutter in their house have clutter inside I do. their hearts. Yeah, I totally <laughs> do. In fact, go ahead. And don't you feel a kind of spiritual, mental cleansing as you're throwing things out? Yeah. I do. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels like this doesn't matter. This is just a thing. You know how I can't get around to that point. <laughs> you know how Free Willy in captivity had his fin tucked over? Oh. I am like, I'm like Willie with my fin tucked over in that, I mean, this does get to the heart of like, we never fully moved into this place. We haven't really decorated it. We started to decorate it more, but it used to be that the minute I would move into a place, usually a dorm room, I was all about getting it perfectly set up and getting my posters on the walls and putting my CDs out. And the first apartment I lived in, in New York, I also set up exactly how I wanted. And then after that, I moved in with my sister we couldn't agree on how to decorate the living room, specifically where to put a certain certain bookshelf. It turned into this like standoff. And after that, it was like, I never fully, I never, un- I remember my boyfriend at the time was like, you need to unpack your CDs. You're into music. It's who you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I think you'll feel so much better if you get your music out. Um, but I never did because I was like, it's, uh, it's just in boxes. I'm just going to leave it in the boxes. But that's when my fin tucked over. (laughs) This is so traumatic. But also one more thing. Then we're going back. (laughs) I had to. Oh, 
was then we're going back to just me everyone regarding the emotional clutter a recurring dream that i have i haven't had in a long time but i used to have it all the time and i still will occasionally have it is that i will be somewhere and a toilet will flush and the like i've I've had this dream that i've been on a plane and the plane is filling up with water because the toilet's backed up like i've had this dream of a toilet backing up and by the way it's always clean water though Hmm. but to me that is emotional clutter that's what that symbolizes but yet you don't feel no no i do (laughs) what were you gonna say well i mean you know how like what you were describing earlier it sounds like hoarders when they say that they're actually perfectionists but as soon as they felt like they couldn't make it perfect they it turned into you know hoarder. that's kind of how i am with your sister in the shelf it was like because it couldn't be just the way you wanted you gave up yep Oh my gosh. We <laughs> you fixed me. It. Yeah, problem solved. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, speaking of cleaning, Ashley Bloodsworth also says, every time I use makeup removing wipes, I think this is like a Mr. Clean magic eraser for my face. I've never She's had that great. thought. She's great. I like her. She's good. I've never had that thought. The idea of rubbing my face with a Mr. Clean magic eraser would scare me because I feel like the the way that that works is it takes off a layer of whatever. Although that's also kind of what um, what exfoliating remover. is. Yeah. I don't use the makeup remover wipes because I don't feel like they're enough. So well, actually, that's not true. I have used them before, but then I just wash my face with soap afterwards. Yeah. You yeah. do that too? Yeah. Okay. Is Does everyone do that? <laughs> is it just no, us I or everyone? <laughs> that's a good question. I think some people just use the wipe because they say that you don't need to rinse after oh well i think you do okay me too (laughs) kim g says don't know how to respond to randoms cat calling hey beautiful etc ignore and you're snobby or acknowledge and you're conceited i wish that happened to me enough that (laughs) i had some sort of really wise answer about it right i think how often is it happening to her yeah enough but it is true like you can't there's no way that you can respond that's the right answer. I, not like it happens all the time, but I usually just kind of like smile to myself and then they don't see it, but it's my way of acknowledging without actually making contact. I yeah. I don't think it's the right thing to do though. You know what's weird is that it happens to me more now when I'm with my son. Huh. Isn't that weird? That is weird. I don't know why and it's, I wish I knew, but maybe I notice it more because it's so appalling. Right. But I think that it tends to happen more when I'm with him. Jeff, when you cat call a woman, what response <laughs> are you looking for? Hey, toots. <laughs> toots. <laughs> Does that work for you? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know because I didn't do that. But yeah, I'm trying to think what response you would like. Have you ever seen it happen? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I always wonder like, because I never hear about witnesses to this. There's the woman <laughs> and then there's the cat caller. But, right it's like cop beatings it's like it's only the cop <laughs> and the guy who got beat yeah so you've been witness to it oh sure yeah yeah i've seen guys do lots of creepy things yeah i don't know what to me it's like guys just want to get in your face i think that's what they it's just about want attention yeah and some of the guys i think they just want to tell you that they find you attractive for what Why? reason i don't know but yeah. that's that's what they're doing right like they're not thinking it's gonna lead to anything no hopefully. not even and maybe Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe, you know, my old job, we used to go, it was a corporate job and we would go out of town and I was, I was a lot younger than these guys. They were all married and older and they would say, Hey, we're out of town. You know, like, let's get crazy. Let's go to Hooters. And I would say, 
like Hooters or a strip club, and I would say these are the two places where you're absolutely not going to meet a woman that's going to have any genuine interest. They just in wanted you. to be naughty, right? And mm-hmm. and I said, well, if you really want to go out and get in trouble, let's go to a skanky bar, and then you'll meet some. It, so it's, it's this, true. It's this like fake danger. Yeah. So maybe that's why you're getting hit on more now, or catcalled more now, is because they can do it because you, but they're no your risk. mom. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, oh, I can throw my weight around, but I'm never going to actually have to make time, try to actually make time with oh, her. Oh, man. Maybe you're onto something. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's an you're astute so reading yeah. of all this. Wise sage over Thank there. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Kim G also says, always ha- hold on to at least one item when leaving a dressing room, even if I didn't like anything. Me too. Afraid salesperson will judge me. I never do that. What do you do? Just leave it all in there, but hung up. <laughs> But if somebody lets you in, you know, and unlocks the door, and then you're supposed to go out and say how many you want, you know those ones? Oh, the ones where you have to say how many items you have? Yeah, and then you come back out, and you're they're like, how'd that work out for you? And you have to say, like, I'll take these two, but not this one. It was right. a little big. Yeah. You just leave them all in the room? Yeah, I just say, man, I didn't, it didn't work out for me. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't is how it worked out for me. <laughs> I'm with you. Is that Ashley again? That's Kim. Oh, Kim. Yeah, I'm with Kim. She didn't. I do so you'll say this one worked out, and, and then, then I'll put go it, put it back myself. So nice of you, but weird. Unnecessary, but <laughs> it's unnecessary. Jen says the word "pitted" seems as though it should mean there are pits in the food. Depitted should mean no pits. Huh. I've never thought about that, but yes, you're right. I'm reading with my son Amelia Bedelia. <gasps> they still have that. Well, it's a reference I, I make used. all the time. I love Amelia Bedelia. Yeah, she's she's literally stole the bases. <laughs> yeah, and that's the sort of idea that her books are about. And so, like, you know, when you say I dusted, she thinks that means you put dust all over. <laughs> so it's the same, uh, same English problem. Yeah. Flash Dabbles says, "Just me." Whenever someone touches their nose, it makes me think they're alerting me to something in my nose. Yeah. If someone's like really being deliberate about touching something on their face, I always wonder like, are you trying to tell me something? And Maybe. Just use words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you, you know how like when you have something in your teeth, you want someone to tell you? Mm-hmm. Do you want someone to tell you? With something in your teeth? Or, or a booger or any of that. You do. You do. But it's still But mortifying. it would be humiliating. Yeah. But you do want someone to tell you. Yeah, I think we, we settled this on a recent JMO. We did. Yeah, I think our final decision was that you want somebody to tell you, but you want them to be discreet. Oh. Yes. So if we were here and you had a piece of basil on your teeth, yeah, or in you your would, nose, <laughs> either way, if you had a booger in your teeth or basil in your nose, <laughs> oh, God. you would want me to kind of just one on one go. Yeah, you got a and, little something cooking, and not in front of everybody. Right. Go like, hey, what's that? Although, I've, don't you feel like the bigger it is, the less of a big deal it is? Like if you have a whole French fry in your teeth? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean like the bigger your display of like, hey, oh. you got something cooking there. It makes it, it like diffuses it. It's no big whoop. Yes. If it's if, a big announcement. Whereas if it's like, then right. you feel like it's shameful. <laughs> right. Like if the person has no problem letting you know. Like, okay, here's an example. Um... I always think back on this because it was so weird to me. Uh, I met with a, a this guy who was my agent for a little while, like him and his um, partner. And he was like just talking to me and he's like, 
I wish I could remember exactly how he said it. But just in passing, he's like, I don't like the dress you're wearing. Blah, 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 blah. But it was like it didn't hurt at all because he said it so matter or like I wouldn't. Oh, no, no. Sorry. He was talking about if I were like meeting with someone, I wouldn't wear that dress. Yeah. But he said it in such a matter of fact way that it weirdly didn't hurt my feelings. And I was just like, you're right. This dress is awful. I guess <laughs> I liked it when I walked in the in with it. But I, you're right. I'll burn it. But it was so it was like. I don't know what a Jedi mind trick is, but I think it might have been that. <laughs> Did you ever wear that dress again? Probably not. No. But I bet you still own it. I do. <laughs> I do. That's horrible. I had it in blue and I had it in black and I, I did wear it in black again. Um, yeah, I know exactly where it is in my closet. But I always thought back on that because I was like, how crazy that he could say something pretty insulting and it didn't hurt my feelings. Whereas if he had been awkward about it and been like, Okay, I don't want you to take this wrong way. I'm I'm just telling you this because you know, as as someone who has your best interest at heart, you know. So just promise me you won't be mad, but I wouldn't wear that dress if I were you. Like I would feel awful and mortified. It was because he was so like this is just a thing we say in this industry, although it's not really usually. Yeah, maybe because he was your agent. I guess. Although I've never had an agent make a comment like that (laughs) otherwise, you know? (laughs) It must have been a really bad dress. I guess so. Was it revealing? No, it was the opposite. Oh. It was. Okay. um, I think we've cracked the case. It was kind of like, I feel like it was like like retro 1940s style and it had, it was like high neck and it had these ruffles Mm -hmm. and uh, it was blue silk and it came down to about my knees. (laughs) It was like a church dress. Well, I'm sure it's pretty, but it was from Ann Taylor, for Christ's sakes, <laughs> or maybe Banana Republic. Look, don't take this out on me. I'm taking it out on the agent. I think it was from Banana Republic. They make cutting edge haute couture <laughs> or J. Crew. Didn't you get that from Forever Seventy One? <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I thought that it would make me look hip. Because it was retro, but I think it made yeah. me look like a piano teacher or something. Mm. It's a fine line. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah. I don't think I can do retro, I guess. I don't you know. You can. Okay, let's see. J Mo's for A Rose says, Wish every bathroom. D- Wait, no, I got to go back. Have you ever had people make comments about your appearance in all your. I mean, comments that are like people telling you you should do this or you should do that. Because I know that for years and years I was always like, just tell me I'm too fat because I know you're thinking it. What? No one ever. I never said that, but that was always my thought. But no one ever said that. One time on morning news, they told me the to lighten the makeup because it. I I was wearing way too much makeup. I was wearing like I play in a punk band, and this is my goth makeup <laughs> that I think looks good on stage and also in like HD. And they told me to, to 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 dial that back, which was a good note. But no one ever made any comments about my appearance. I can't think of any otherwise. part of my body that someone hasn't commented on. But I mean, I don't mean in a like gratuitous or anything way. I mean, like, has anyone ever given like you should change this or you should do this or you'd be right if you would just do this? I went on a date with somebody who told me I had sharp incisor teeth, which I do. But like, you know, it wasn't a compliment. And that was a weird one. That is a weird one. what am I supposed to do? File them down? I feel like that's someone who read that book, The Game, and he was trying to neg <laughs> <laughs> I, okay. Speaking of that guy. Wait, isn't... Neil Strauss. Uh, I'm thinking of mystery. Oh, guy. yeah. Yeah. Well, I have been hunting him down online, and 
Does he, he not exist anymore? Not exist. And I'm good at finding people online because I feel like getting a doctorate really is just learning how to um, use archi- Google. Yeah, you uh, <laughs> like arc find archives and stuff. And I cannot find that guy, and I want to. So if you guys have any scoops, let me know. But this guy that said that about my teeth, I ended up marrying the first marriage. Really? <laughs> yeah. So maybe it works. Maybe <laughs> the negging is yeah attractive. So I didn't realize this. The man you are married to now is not the one that you were married to at 22. Right. Yeah. I was married. I married my professor. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was hot for teacher. Mm-hmm. Did you guys he, start dating while you were still his student? Like pretty much the last week. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he fi- the for the final, he had someone else grade it because he was worried about his job. But right. um, <clears throat> yeah, he was a political scientist. And so... And he taught religion and politics, and those were my two majors. So it was like we had a lot to talk about. And then what happened? Uh, we were married for seven years, and then I turned. You know, I got old, and then I was like, "Wait, why did I do that? <laughs> I need therapy, not a, a husband." Was like, he a lot older than you? Yeah, he was ten years older than mm-hmm. me, and he had a kid and stuff. But it was probably good because it probably prevented me from misbehaving during my twenties. You know, that is a way to look at it. Yeah. JMOs for Aros says, wish every bathroom door had an airplane style occupied latch. No more awkward knocking when I have to go or while I'm going. That would be great if the door just told you if there was someone in it or not. That's Starbucks true. bathrooms. What a great idea. Have that. A lot of, a lot of, not a lot, but some public restrooms will have that. When it's a single. But yes. I would like it with the stalls. That's but, true. But in men's rooms, is there typically only one stall? Uh, it depends on the place, but. Usually. Because isn't it primarily urinal? And it's then... it's about a one-to-one or two-to-one ratio. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. It's pretty evenly split, I think. Hmm. All right. Well, wouldn't that come in handy, though? Or Don't you feel? Oh, yeah. I, I, I hate that when I'm using a stall and you can see a guy kind of wandering over and they always do the same thing. They stand in front and you can see their feet and they do the... Uh, uh, they yes. juke to each side to see if they can see yeah. you in there. Ugh. And then they wait and you're just waiting for the tap to come. They tap, tap, tap. Occupado. <laughs> Which is my big hilarious bathroom line. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that situation. Uh-uh. This is the only country though where I noticed that there's always a gap in the stall. The gap What's can be that? so the gap can be so wide sometimes that you can't even get it to latch. Yeah. But that gap really makes you feel like you're just going to the bathroom in public. Yeah, what's with that? I don't know. It's I not feel in like other it's countries. just I feel like it's well. If it's not in other countries, then I don't know. I was going to say, I feel like it's just sort of the, the structure of the way the doors are hung, but maybe not. Well, maybe we buy the cheap ones. I bet we do. <laughs> I bet we do. <laughs> Jen says that she's the one who also felt strongly about pitted. Can't remember if it is. Oh, speaking of this is perfect. Can't remember if it has been covered before, but for wiping, I scrunch the toilet paper. Does anyone fold? I have found. Men typically fold, women typically scrunch. Jeff, what do you do? Yeah, Jeff. I I'm a hybrid buncher and folder. So what? how does that work? Cross discipline. <laughs> I but I've had this discussion with many uh male friends and it's it's about fifty fifty. Really? Yep. Fifty fifty high wait. Some, oh, so some you guys mean are, sometimes you bunch so, and sometimes you fold? No no no. Uh <laughs> breakdown in the men that I have had this discussion with. It's some 50, fold, some bunch. 50% folders, 50% bunchers. Right, but you're saying that you're a hybrid. I am a hybrid. That means he does both at the same time, right? That's, so like you fold and then you finish it off with a, a scrunch? 
or vice versa. No, yeah. it's it's typically. It seems so weird to think about it and talk about it publicly. It's, <laughs> I it's pictured like, you to be more of like you wrap, you do this. Oh, wrap over the hand. Yeah. Like oh where no. The mitten. No. Mitten. no. <laughs> really, I mitten. seem like a mitten guy. Yeah, you create a mitten of toilet paper. Oh no. no. I've spent too many years as a janitor to use toilet paper that wastefully. <laughs> I know somebody's going to have to refill that role. So reckless. <laughs> so I'm sorry to push on this, but fold with the scrunch at the end, or it's more of a it's more of a scrunch with a fold. a scrunch for a base, and then scrunch a fold for a base, and then that's a fold the, the con- for, oh. for the business end. Yep. I didn't see that coming. Yep. Mm-mm. What do yeah. you do? I'm, Susie? I'm working Just outside the box here. There, <laughs> there's no folding. I can't imagine. I. My theory as now I know that you're saying that the guys you know like half are folders half are bunchers, but I've always understood it as women use a lot more toilet paper, so we're not precious about it because we just we got to do a lot of wiping in a short <laughs> amount of time. Like right now, because I just had my I had my egg retrieval uh, half a week ago. And one of the shots that you have to give yourself is the trigger shot, which makes your body think it's pregnant, even though it's not. So now I have to pee like every 12 minutes. There's You're a lot. Me. It's I, the peeing is so frequent. Um, but there's a lot of scrunching and a lot of wiping happening. Whereas with men, it's maybe only once a day. They can be more methodical. Yeah. So I feel just feel like they treat their butts better. <laughs> they well, often, like when my husband and I met, I did not buy the nicest toilet paper. I just one bought... One ply. No, no, no. I can't handle one ply. What is the nicest? Charmin Ultra. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite nice. Um, you know what's terrible toilet paper? Charmin... Oh, what's it called? It's Basic. like ultra strong. No, oh. ultra strong. It's like... it's like Charmin 80 grit? <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> terrible. Charmin Ultra Strong is like sandpaper. It is... It's like it won't... The selling point is it won't disintegrate, I guess, or it won't tear, but it is way too harsh. Yeah. I I was a fan of Charmin Basic. I don't mind it. Hmm. But no, now we use the real high-end toilet paper. Well, good for you. Yeah, it's nice. My experience has been the opposite was that guys would just buy the cheapest, crappiest toilet paper because they just don't use it much. Yeah. And then once there's a woman in their life, the woman says, eh, what's up with this Scott tissue? And yeah, then that's they what have we use to, growing up. Yeah. And it is awful. That's one ply. I can't, right. Yeah. Can you imagine? You should, you may as well just use your hand. Well, right, because then you need double the amount. So right. You may as well get the two ply. Interesting. So, scrunch, maybe, no folding over here. Maybe Daniel had nice toilet paper because of his ex. Oh, no. I have. That's one of the things <laughs> I haven't funny. asked. I haven't asked what her bathroom habits were like. <laughs> Today's the day. <laughs> but he can't wait to get home. <laughs> and lastly, Jeremy P. says... Tired of the outrage in people's faces when I eat a bagel without caking it in some sort of spread. I didn't know that you encounter outrage, but I could understand being tired of it. Well, wait. I guess it would seem too plain. I'm outraged that you are. He would do that. What do you feel like needs to be on the bagel? Cream cheese or butter? Yeah. Yeah. Something. Why don't you want moisture? Right. What do you have against? What if he just ate a piece of bread right in front of you, like a bird or a duck? (laughs) <laughs> would you be okay with that? I I think I would, although I would like, think you're missing out. If I got here and you're like, can I get you anything? And I was like, do you have a slice of bread dry? <laughs> you wouldn't think that was weird? It would be a little weird. <laughs> a little weird. Just one slice of dry. <laughs> dry bread. 
Um, I mean, I would want to know what's going on in the bagel. Is it like a cinnamon raisin bagel? Is it a blueberry bagel? Which is not very good. Does Is there something in the bagel mm-hmm. that makes it more Filler. than just plain? Yeah. But still. Anyway, I just feel like people should be more accepting of his bagel choices, Jeff. I don't think I'm outraged by it, but I'm a little baffled. Okay. Yeah, me too. Cause, We're baffled. Because no matter what it is, butter will make it better. That's yeah, true. is this a, di- a diet thing? Maybe yeah. he's trying to count calories? There's some that you wouldn't want to put cream cheese on. I could see that. Like what? Like maybe a blueberry might be weird to put cream cheese on, but it's probably no, still it's all delicious. right. it's delicious. It could be okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. An everything bagel? Would you put cream cheese? You would probably put cream yeah. cheese on that. Yeah. Well, I feel we've gotten to the mm. gotten to the heart of the important it. topics, bagels and scrunching <laughs> and folding. You guys, if you're going to buy toilet paper or anything on Amazon, which you are, click the banner on my website, alisonrosen.com. Thank you for your Amazon support. Thank you for your PayPal support. PayPal links on the right side of my brand new fancy website, courtesy of Todd Jackson and Josh Holtzclaw. So go look at that and delight in the way it looks so different than it used to look. Uh, t-shirts available. There's a store on the website. Ringtones available. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. And also, touch the tushy, touch, touch the tushy, tushy, touch the tushy, touch, touch the tushy, tushy. Get these by searching Hey, go fuck yourself or touch the tushy on your iPhone in the iTunes store. Also get them on Gumroad. Uh, if you're not an iTunes person, that is gumroad.com slash Allison Rose and you can get to all this via my website. Uh, subscribe iTunes.com slash Allison Rosen is where to go to subscribe follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-M-B-F you know I realize I never give out my Instagram it's Allison Rosen but it might make people think that I don't Instagram but I do all the time at Allison Rosen Jeff where should we go for you you can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Colonel Jeff Fox and I just want to thank John Stamos for following me right back at you buddy <laughs> Oh my god. Susie, it was so much fun having you on the show. Thank you so much for letting me invite myself. Everyone should go <laughs> listen to your podcast. Tell them where they can get it and uh, plug everything you'd like to plug. Okay, my podcast is on play.it and it's called the Brain Candy Podcast. So and is that P L A Y dot I T? Yeah. And then I'm on Twitter at Susie underscore Meister and Facebook Susie Meister and Instagram Susie Meister. Come follow me. It's fun. Thank you so much, listeners. Thank you for listening. Thanks, I love everybody. you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? 